Hey guys, it's me, Noah, and it's also a little late, so I'm gonna make this one short, alright? You're listening to the Skeleton Crew. That's good. This one's a good episode. This one's a juicy episode. Be sure to tell all your friends about it, because you know they want to listen to it. Anyway, here's the Skeleton Crew. The skeleton crew, still trapped within a forced dream, find themselves having just bested, apparently, Skoga's challenge. Skoga, Gordax, and Wes are a couple of them, covered in bile and dinosaur guts, come out from behind these large trees and rejoin Damien in the clearing. As they do, they notice a figure swiftly approaching, though calm, in some sort of makeshift ghillie suit and carrying a long rifle. This figure comes to a stop not too far from them, and then pulls back its hood, revealing a familiar fishy face. Winnebago Iago. Damien. Fancy seeing you out here. What are you doing here? Are Are you dead too? I never died. Au contraire, my amigo. You most certainly did. Skoga, if I was dead... I wouldn't be talking with you unless you are also dead. Are you dead? No, you see, you're dead and Damien's dead. Through a connection with the Force, we are able to communicate. I don't know how we met a guy. His name was mm, Dressing Quail, and he said... Dresso Quake? Yep, that's the guy. And he said that... We need to go through some tests. So, we went through Damien's test, Gordax's test, my test. That's that's me, by the way. I I think I'm at a bit of a loss here. I clearly don't know you (laughs) as all of these fine fellows do, but uh, yes, Gordax is the name, and a Besilisk outstretches one of his four hands to go and shake this figure's hands. This is Winnebago Yago. He's, he's got skills with that rifle. <laughs> you don't say. Quite so. Uh, what was your name again? It was... G- Gordax. Gordax is the name. Gordax Gillick. He's that famous chef. I, I reach forward <laughs> and, and give a firm handshake, clasping like a sound around his wrist and give him a firm shake. Gordax, pleasure to meet you. My name is Yago of Winnebago. <laughs> well... I can't say I've heard of that specific area. Believe me, I do know my locales. But I think I'm going to like you, Winnebago Yago. All right. Well, now that everybody knows each other, I suppose we have one trial left. Wes, or perhaps two, if if Winnebago Yago's joining. I feel like if our quest was given us by Dresso Quake, that it would only count the people who were there at the time. Oh, so suddenly Wes is all knowing about the Force and all of its mysteries and what exactly Dresso Quake meant when he said everything. Now, 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 Damien. 
Don't act like you knew what he meant either, right? Well, and I certainly know. If I if I can't figure it out, Wes is the last person to, especially when it comes to the Force. I don't even know if he believes in it. I don't. Look, it doesn't matter if you believe in it or not. We're here now, and I'm sure we have some sort of fancy dinner party to go to. Right, Wes? That's <laughs> thing. That's like seems like your kind of trial, right? I mean, I wouldn't say it was a trial. It's- well, no, no, the trial, look, it, the trial is having us with you, right? I think <laughs> that, that's, that's the that, trial. That would be a trial, yes. Um, I guess we just go on. Yes, I don't think we'll find a dinner party here. Uh, can I still see the uh, path, Ryan? Yes, the one that Yago just came down. All right, so I use the force to activate Skoga's special needle. It begins pointing <laughs> the way of the path. Well, that's a fancy-looking compass thing. Thanks. I got it from my sewing kit. (laughs) Such a fan of crafts, Skoga. You always surprise me. All right, well then, shall we? Let's. As everyone falls in line behind Skoga, going along this path that Yago trod down to get to you, you notice the jungle becoming more of a concrete jungle. Trees and stumps replaced with skyscrapers, buildings, glass and steel, until you're surrounded, almost without you knowing when the transition took place, by a familiar sight. It seems you found yourselves on the city planet of Coruscant. Wes takes a look behind him and sees if he can see any remnant of the gigantic forest that they theoretically just walked out of. None at all. Yago, why are you in a ghillie suit, then, if you're in on Coruscant? Like, shouldn't you be wearing, like, a bunch of concrete? I'm now in a business casual suit. <laughs> <laughs> the latest Mon Cala style. <laughs> Prepare for any occasion. Completely waterproof. Damien, you wouldn't understand the fashions of my people. I don't know what this ghillie suit is, but it sounds like an offensive reference to gills and fish, and I don't appreciate that humor at my expense. (laughs) As if on cue, a second Mon Cala comes out from the crowd, and both of his eyes, you know, blink one, two looking at Wes, and he goes, Oh, spent here. Is that you, good boy? I don't recognize you. Wes, I guess, with one, two eyes, he recognizes his great friend, Ricky Dicky, friend of Dicky Ricky, who we all know and love. No, um, Wes does, in <laughs> fact, see this uh, Moncala, and Wes can't quite place him, but being gracious and hoping that maybe context will provide the way here shortly. Walks up. Of course, yes, it is me. How are you? I'm doing amazing. You seem to have yourself quite the entourage. Well, I, even here on Coruscant, it always pays to watch one's back. It was Gordax and Skoga who got eaten? Yes. Are they still covered in bile? Yes. <laughs> Wes uh, has Damien, who is clean and... Skoga and Gordax, who are not. Says, 
Yes, even here on Coruscant, it uh, always pays to have someone to watch your back. Though, those two uh, showed up out of nowhere. Thought, uh, pity them, help them out a bit, maybe pay for a shower, to be honest. It's disturbing. Well, I I just assumed that you were that you were bringing them to the annual fundraiser that we're on our way to. Are you not coming? It is for the poor and decrepit, of course, aren't? And I thought, well, those two fit the bill. <laughs> well, I do loathe the poor and decrepit, so I guess making a few less of them would be helpful. Yes, <laughs> Let us yes. Go. <laughs> That's one way to put it. I I actually have to. Uh, Pick up some some accessories over at a general store, but it's it's just at Zabraxis's place. You remember around the corner, a few levels up. Oh, I remember Zabraxis. I can show you, Wes. Of course, of course. Go and uh, go gather what you need. My friend here will make sure I get there safely. I seem to recall it, but I might not quite know. But. I'll make it there. Don't you worry. I look forward. I look forward to seeing you. And the the Moncala Amari gives you a big old bow, kind of gestures politely to Iago and Damien, and then just nods at Gordax and Skoga and leaves. Wes then immediately pops open his data pad, and he looks for the nearest hotel. Or motel. Okay. Or truck stop. All right. There there are a few seedy places around. Take your pick. (laughs) Wes then goes into this just horrifically terrible-looking hotel. Uh, sorry, uh, terrible-looking motel, uh, which he enters, accompanied by four other male aliens, only one of which is human, four other males. And he goes up to the owner, and he says, I'm going to need your finest room for the next hour. The quarren behind the desk is, like, playing with his face tentacles. He's like, I mean, finest is a relative term. We have rooms. <laughs> Give me the best you have. All right. Room six. And he takes <laughs> a key off the wall behind him and hands it to you. Wait, it's, it, will this be a, uh, he kind of gives you a wink, a one night kind of payment, or are we going by the hour? I just said for the next hour. Oh, he gives you another wink. All right, then. <laughs> just swipe your chit here, please. And he gives you the little card reader. In the background, you can see Yago kind of raise his already fairly raised eyebrows um, at this interesting <laughs> proposition that he thinks is being made. And... All right, so you can see Wes is fiddling with his data pad, and he's obviously inputting some things. He checks to make sure there is no sort of information recording apparatus on this chit reader. So his identity isn't stolen because he's not a total idiot. You you do remove a completely fake chit scanner off of the actual skit channer. <laughs> skit channer? Ah, skit channer. He was an old friend of mine in uh, secondary school. Skit channer. Skit channer. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's actually what it's called. It has a little label on it. It says skit channer. Uh, <laughs> But um, so Wes, upon removing this, pays for the room, finishes up what he's doing on his holopad, and he kind of pushes everyone in that general direction. You're able to get to room six without any difficulties in this seedy motel, and uh, Wes closes the door behind you as everyone enters. Uh, Wes, what is the meaning of this? Why are we here? Wes pushes Gordax into the bathroom, and he says, shower now, and slams the door. (laughs) But I... And then, okay, then you hear the water turn on and 
he does so. I wonder, Wes, do you think the drains will be able to handle what's coming off of his body? Those are, there's some, there's some pretty big chunks. I don't care if this hotel room is working. I'm currently in a forced dream, taking my long dead companion through a series of trials, one of which is apparently me going to a fundraiser. And the last thing I'm going to do is show up to a fundraiser on Coruscant with a guard that is covered in dinosaur bile. Wes, you should be careful. If the drain is clogged, they might add a surcharge to the amount they've already charged your chip. Well, speak of the devil. <laughs> and Gordax comes out with a towel wrapped around him. And you just see the shower is absolutely like horrendously a mess with various bits of the stomach bile and bone and fat from previous meals that hadn't digested completely. And the, the drain is just one main mess of various things that had come off of his body listeners i do apologize if you are currently eating while listening to this and you have now lost your appetite wes then looks at skoga and gestures you're next uh, did you not hear gordax the shower is totally clogged i can't go uh, no, the, the drain is clogged you can probably still wash yourself off just we need to get out of here probably quickly rather than later all right i guess i'll go in and Skoga uh, starts disrobing to go take a shower. And then you hear, a, you hear a rap at the door. Just a minute. I'll be right out. At the front door, not the bathroom. Wes will answer the door. <laughs> um, and you see the Corrin manager with a stack of towels. And he's like, no, I didn't want to um, interrupt your menage five. But I have some extra towels for you. Oh, we haven't yet begun, but those will be very useful afterwards. Thank you. And Yago kind of reaches around the door to grab the towels without opening the door fully so he can't see in. <laughs> and quickly, I shut the door in his face. And the Corrin just gives a little tip of his hat. <laughs> okay, about ten minutes in to Skoga's shower, you hear another rap at the door. And outside is... I'm not going to say Wes's butler because he doesn't have a butler on Coruscant, but he has like a go-to man. If he needs something done on Coruscant when he's there, this is the guy he calls and he's arrived. All right. Your fixer is here. So my fixer has arrived uh, carrying what appears to be five pairs of new, nice clothing. And, and he says, your order, Mr. Pantier. Thank you, Lawrence. You wouldn't believe these people. I'll tell you what, I'm going to need a ride as well. If you could just stay here and then actually he can tell you where you're going. And he gestures to Yago. Yes, it will be at Zabraxis's place. Ah, yes, of course. I'm well aware of the function going on this evening. When you're all ready, I'll pull the car around up front. We're trying to help the poor and decrepit so we can't look poor and decrepit to help the poor and decrepit. Very, very good thinking, Wes. Now you're beginning to understand it. Is is there a, a set of clothing that is fitted to the forearms of Gordax? There is a set of clothing for everyone. And depending on whether Ryan wants to allow it, it is either perfectly tailored to you because Wes can figure out your sizes, or it is not. But it is at least functional. Then with everyone showered, washed, dressed, pressed, and however else you want to get ready, Lawrence awaits you outside to ferry you over to whoever this Zabraxis is. Wes motions for everyone going towards the car, counting on being fashionably late, as he fears that an hour might 
already be past the time of the beginning of whatever fundraiser this is. Are we going to leave the bathroom like this and not tell them about it? Which I'm fine doing. Uh, I I covered it with some towels. It's all right. I assumed that's why he gave them to us. There's a foot of water in the shower pan. Yago, you can trust me when I say he's expecting much worse than that in this room. You actually see the Corrin, like, standing near the manager's station in, like, a full hazmat suit and, like, one of those, like, <laughs> industrial spray <laughs> things, and he just, like, gives you a little wave as you're leaving. Guess that's just Tuesday here. <laughs> it's a big galaxy, man. Yeah, I guess we're all going to the car. Yeah, we're, uh, we're in going to Zabraxas. It doesn't take long to go from the current level that you're at up a few to a rather lavish looking penthouse where obviously an expensive party is taking place as Lawrence Wes's driver comes to one of the landing pads connected to this building's apartments he drops you off and then gives Wes a little salute and flies away an attendant from the party doesn't take long to notice and immediately come out to greet you and says, Ah, West Pantier, is it? We've been expecting you. Yes. Ah, sorry about my lateness. As you know, important things tend to draw important people. Huh. All right. Where is Zabraxis? Zabraxis will be indisposed for a small amount of time, but as our keynote speaker for the event... We thought it would be appropriate to put you on stage immediately. Uh, quite right, quite right. And I assume this attendant points to Yago and Gordax and Damien and Skoga and says, I assume these are the, um, how to put it, uh, underlings that you have gathered for our purposes here? Well, you know how it is, you know, you have a keynote speech about the poor and needy, and generally you'd like to tag off, have a few to, along with you to make sure that people understand the point. Yes, of course. Behind this little conversation, uh, Damien whispers to Yago, not not super quietly, but like, you know, Wes can definitely hear it. The other person may not be able to. And he says, do you ever notice that Wes changes the way he talks depending on who he's talking to to sound more fancy? <laughs> also, he wishes we were his underlings. Yeah, he always had an imagination, Wes. As we uh, walk forward, uh, Yago takes off his overcoat and hands it to the greeter in a way of asserting that he is not, in fact, poor or decrepit, and take this for me, and, and, and walks off uh, in the direction that the party's going. As everyone enters the luxurious party space, it's a mix between high class and just conspicuous consumption, as there is loud music, there is dancing but then there is also this just opulent decoration of you know stacked martini glasses and cakes that tower up to the ceiling tablecloths you could sleep in the whole nine yards gordax approaches one of the tables with the refreshments and he takes a taste of the cakes and other things how do they compare to other things he's had well the first torta that you sample is uh, a bit moist but altogether bland a distinctive taste of gordax gordon ramsay sorry not gordax <laughs> <laughs> that'd be so funny if this whole place was catered by gordon ramsay <laughs> 
Gordax, you actually see him take a little napkin up to his mouth, and he kind of has this disgusted look on his face, and he takes it down and kind of stuffs it underneath the tablecloth <laughs> just to kind of hide it. Uh, Wes, I am sorry, but I must have a word with the caterers. The food they serve here is abysmal. I may be back for your speech, but I, I this needs to be done. And he scurries off to go try and find <laughs> who is in charge of this food. Okay. Wes is going to make his way to the stage. You know, he's uh, typing down some quick notes on his data pad to think of something to say. Uh, Yago's standing next to Damien and Skoga and kind of leans over to Skoga and in an undertone that can't be too loudly heard by anyone else, uh, gesturing towards Gordax. Like, why is he so concerned about the food? These parties always have fancy looking and nasty tasting things to eat. I'm not going to lie. I have been spacing out for like the past 10 minutes. Um, (laughs) Here. I was just kind of doing what everybody else was doing. Are we talking about Wes? Gordax, Gordax, here. Can I grab a platter of of these appetizers that Gordax just stormed off on, and I proffer one to Skoga and say, well, try it. Tell me what you think. Skoga takes one in his hands, eats it. Not bad. Could use a little more mm, meat. I suppose. I was thinking some salt, but meat would be good too. Mm, salted meat. That's that's the best. Salted meat. <laughs> ah, ah, too bad Gordax has already left. We could have given him this suggestion to, for the chefs. Anyway, the reason Gordax is the way he is, I will give you the short version and don't ask Gordax or he'll give you the long version. Basically, Gordax feels cheated out of something that was his. <laughs> I can't remember what. He had a falling out with his mentor. Uh, was he being mentored by a chef? Yeah, I, th- I think so. From what I've gathered, wow. he was supposed to be a chef and then instead became a pirate. And now he wants to shove Gordon Ramsay into, like, uh, a vat of sugar water. It's very specific. I'm not sure what's going on. Anyway, yeah, he, he's got a real hang-up about food. There was also this other guy named Pickle, and he gets real squirrely when we ask him about that, so... He's just hes just kind of that way, but we let it slide because he makes really good food, so... But yet, like I said, don't, don't ask him about it, or else he'll talk your ear off. You know, I've heard the whole story, like, seven different times, and I still can't remember what's going on. <laughs> Skoga... I'm curious, does he make a better Wookiee steak Ooh. than you? Your Wookiee steaks are pretty good, Scott. I'm going to be honest here. I got to say no, because he told me he had, quote unquote, moral quandaries about cooking Wookiee steaks. So he, um, he like kind of refused to make them, which I just took as a sign that he couldn't make them very well. Is he one of those people who won't cook exotic, dangerous beasts? Um, I'm not sure. He might be. He might be. You know, we should ask him. Where did he go off to? Oh, wait. It looks like... Hey, wait. Why is Wes up there at the podium? A flighty-looking person comes up to Wes. They are a Umbaran. As they look at you, Wes, they say, Wences Pantier, I never thought I'd live to see the day that you would make a return to high society. Do my eyes deceive me? Uh, No, they do not, though I must admit it's surprising to find you here. Your absence from high society was heartily distressing for most. It is truly horrific to see that you were uh, completely irrelevant for the last ten years. Now, now, I can 
mind a jab when I hear one. But I hope you aren't referring to that little incident back on Camino all those years ago. Oh, nonsense. Live and let live, I've always said, or have them brutally assassinated by your friends. Uh, one of the two. Yes. <laughs> uh, and you have somehow made yourself relevant, then? I don't know if I'd say I've made myself relevant. Uh, I don't think I've ever not been relevant. Probably more if I have decided to stoop to this level once more. Yes, yes. Ah. Always willing to throw my reputation behind the poor and in need. Yes, yes, you were always one to make brash, irrational decisions. Now, um, I had a quick meeting, I think, with Sabraxis, and I'd best be off. I don't imagine you'll be seeing her this evening, so I'll give you my best. Oh, oh indeed. I would hope that you would give her my best, though, not to yourself. Trust me, I wish nothing great for you. Mm, papa! And this Umbaran glides away. Meanwhile, <laughs> in the kitchen area, the double doors fly open to everyone's shock as a well-dressed, recently bathed basilisk, basilisk storms in. <laughs> so this is actually Gordax Part 2. They knew you were going to beat Pickle too quick. <laughs> <laughs> Who is it? Who is the head chef here? Uh, and this Rodian sous chef with these sharp pair of knives comes over and is like, Excuse me, but who exactly do you think you are? And then you hear a deeper voice from the back of the room go, Now, now, bingo. There's no need to get flighty with this one. And you see a Bothan near the back kind of undo his apron and come up to you. Hands on his hips, he looks and he says, I'll be damned. Gordax Gillick. You don't remember me, do you? Well, uh, real quick, does Gordax remember him? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> well, obviously you are no one of import, otherwise I would remember you. No. Yes, 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 no one of import. Yeah, that's usually how you uh, got around those days. Oh, you don't remember that little establishment? Do you? <laughs> Back on Corellia, you had closed down. I think you were doing some kind of tour with that uh, mentor of yours. I can't quite remember his name. Someone big and much more important than you. Don't say it. And you visited my restaurant, and you had it shut down for safety violations. Wait, Gordax was a health inspector? <laughs> no, no, it was part of a uh, reality television show. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> called Corellia Car Kitchen Nightmares. <laughs> well, if I shut it down, then surely I had good reason to. Really? Because somehow I find myself as the personal chef of one of the most influential people on Coruscant. And everyone here knows the name Boodle Bay, but I haven't heard Gordax Gillick in years. <laughs> well... As you know, our late compatriot, Boodle Bay, had an unfortunate accident on the uh, the moon of your home planet. I'm Boodle Bay, you idiot. <laughs> and your unfortunate accident was a blaster um, to the back of the head. And I regret to inform you, as he turns around and shows you like this burn scar in his temple, he's like, that it was unsuccessful. 
And then this this Rodian from behind you puts one of his cleavers to your throat. Without a second's hesitation, Gordax pulls out with one of his lower arms his cleaver, which he always keeps on him, even in this fine garb. And he attempts to stab the sous chef in the gut. Well, all right. As you try to stab someone with a cleaver, it's unsuccessful because that's not how cleavers work. But... Th- this no, it, he doesn't care. Like he's he's just blunt forcing it in there. You you blunt force it, and it doesn't go far. And you feel a ting at your neck as his own cleaver draws your blood. And this Rodian says, "Not another move, Gillick." All right, all right. Now, listen here. I believe I've gotten off on the wrong foot. I purely came back here, Boodle. To tell you, I think I could be of some assistance to save this train wreck of a meal you have prepared. You're exactly right. He snaps at, you know, uh, an Athorian across the room. Dingo, clear the table. And this Athorian just clears the table instantly. And you are ushered over. And he says, now, Gordax, I think you make a good point. As you'll make for an excellent final course back in the party's parlor <laughs> <laughs> all right this b story just got good <laughs> this is that episode of star trek well you're you're waiting for that one to come in <laughs> let's cut to commercial real quick holy smokes one other thing is as we're finishing up with the uh, conversation about the food and Yago sets the platter back down where he found it on the serving table and takes two of the little hors d'oeuvres and shoves them in his pockets for a snack for later. He then sees right next to him a small plate that you would normally just put the hors d'oeuvres on. Ah. You just carry with you. He, he, you know, of course, Wes wasn't there to say that, but Yago does in fact see the small plate and you can kind of see a little bit of a crestfallen like, oh, I just ruined these pots for nothing. Oh well. <laughs> a much older Twi'lek beside you, uh, the quite large this twilight man is and he says to yago <laughs> now that that's what those plates are for young man for the horse divorce <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sorry uh, what was your name xylax xylax what a lovely name no not xylax xylax Wow, that sounds like something I'd get in case I uh, had too much heartburn at the local <laughs> pharmacy. No, no, I, uh, you're actually thinking of Thorlax as the common antidepressant. Ah, well, no matter, I've had a hard day, I have a lot on my plate, so I'm not putting anything else on that plate. Good day, and I walk away. <laughs> I think it's safe to say Wes is at the stage. Wes has arrived at the stage. He is currently off stage, and he is waiting for the person who is organizing this whole thing to put him up there and put him in the game, coach. Iago tries to lead Skoga and Damien over to get some uh, as close to the front row seats as, as can be found. It's pretty full, so you get at least the third row. Okay. But you are you, you don't have seats next to each other. I don't want to miss this, but we'll be close. We're kind of like talking to each other like across someone's lap. It's pretty uncomfortable for them. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> Skoga's got like two plates full of food and he's just like talking with his mouth open and he's like whispering but he's doing like the loud whisper he's like Yago Yago Skoga what can you see what's going on up there can I what don't worry about it Yago do they have any of the little sausages you know what I'm talking about Uh, I did see some yes second table by the door hey can you grab me a couple 
I'm kind of wedged in here. Uh, well, your hands are full, I are not. So I, Yago gets back up and makes everyone kind of stand up again in the row, goes back to the table and, and fills his pockets with the little sausages <laughs> to take back to Skoga. And, and Damien's sitting there quietly while uh, the guy next to him is squawking about how the force isn't real and the jedi are a bunch of hokum and all this stuff and he's he's not liking it very much isn't this in the middle of the holy smokes this is like the middle of the old republic right so he's basically saying this ruling class (laughs) has no power he's talking about how it's like this terrible conspiracy and damien just doesn't like it it isn't long before a pretty twi'lek comes out on stage and says Welcome, everyone. Welcome. Now, it is my honor to introduce our keynote speaker, a very old friend of Zabraxas herself, and an esteemed diplomat from across the universe coming to us here from Alderaan, our very own Wences Pantier. Give him a hand, everybody. (laughs) Yeah, go Wes. Damien, Damien, did you know Wes was going to be speaking? Yes, I did, Skoga. You were current. You were zoned out at the time. What's he speaking? Hey, hey. And then, like Skoga, like nudges the guy next to him. He's like, "What's he talking about? Would you shut up?" <laughs> okay, you know what's rude. <laughs> I guess don't ruin the surprise then. And Skoga pops a little sausage in his mouth, and he like <laughs> wiggles in his chair a bit and gets comfy. I hope there's no pocket lint on the sausage. So just like Yago's pocket. Where he had the sausages like full of barbecue sauce now. It was one of those little sausages <laughs> stewing in the barbecue sauce. It's a kind of a mix of everything, but it has improved the flavor. Yeah, Wes, he, he takes it all in stride. He goes up the stage, you know, and his little waves he approaches and he stands at the, po- the podium ready to speak. In that moment of hesitation, it, it appeared to Yago that Wes was getting stage fright or nervous. And so uh, more, so he kind of like motions for Damien and Skoga. Come on, guys, like give him some support. And, yeah, come on, Wes, you got this. Woo. More cheering for him. Yeah, yeah Wes. Wes. Go, Wes. Yes. Wes. 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 Stick it to Wes. him. <laughs> so upon seeing his very, very loud friends at this black tie <laughs> event screaming from the crowd, Wes, he, he begins, he says, well, good evening to you all. It's just a tremendous time to be here, really. These 50,000 credits a plate dinners are the best way that we could provide for the poor. My compliments to the chef, uh, the great Boodle Bay. When I heard he was in attendance here, I, I, I was truly shocked. As, as you all know, Boodle is one of the te- best top 25 galaxy chefs in the world. And really, I couldn't have expected anything better. And, of course, my compliments to our host, she has just been a tremendous help and uh, really a, a, a true friend over these years. You all know, I'm, I must tell you, we find ourselves at the core of a very difficult problem. Here we are, beautiful dinner, wonderful people, great company. Yet this very building we sit on sits upon level after level of poverty, level after level of sadness. How long has the Republic been around? Long for as long as this republic has been around, there have been those. (laughs) For as long as as this republic has been around, we have been to the republic. (laughs) Upon hearing Skoga's exclamation, Wester says, Yes, 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 the republic, as long as it has been around, we have been. Struggling with how to care for those who are in need. Obviously, it's not us, but uh, 
Really, we just know that there are those who aren't willing to do the work that needs to be done to pull themselves up by the bootstraps. And how can we provide for them? How could we make it so that our fleets of 900 private frigates carry us and our cargo across the galaxy? What could we do and why should we care? Well, I only have two things to say. On Alderaan, there was a place long before our unification. We like to call it Brussia. And in Brussia, there were many, many different groups of people who sat on their wealth like us, many of them, who through their own hard work, don't get me wrong, managed to own and possess basically everything. And for many years, they were fine. Until one fateful day in Brussia. I can't remember. It was either February or October. They lost it all. Do you want to know who took it from them? To those darn poor people. <laughs> they, st- <laughs> they stood up and they took it. They said that a man shouldn't be allowed to make his wealth because he owned the factory where he basically enslaved people. That he shouldn't be able to earn his keep by completely controlling the economy and not allowing anyone to develop their own new products. A true travesty! Someone yells from the crowd. (laughs) That to allow such a thing to happen was just terrible. Now, granted, this great Russia only lasted uh, less than a hundred years, actually. They instituted some sort of rule where poor people made everything. It was uh, tragic, really. No good came of it. But there are things we must learn. My friends... The key to making sure that we don't end up like those poor people in Russia is that we must give them bread and circuses. <laughs> a person is more than content to be poor as long as you give them something to watch and something to eat. And let's be frank, it doesn't actually have to be good food. Iago, I can't tell. Is he supposed to be raising money for the poor? Or like trying to eliminate them? <laughs> I think he's trying to eliminate them, Skoga. I didn't know. Okay, it's, it's that kind of party, all right. Wes goes on. Yes, they have something to eat and something to watch, or even for some, something to do. Don't even need to give them anything to watch. They'll be content to follow you through for years. In fact, I've brought three of them with me. And he gestures <laughs> towards the people who were just screaming about Wes. He says, they've been following me for over a year now. And all I did was say, hey... I'll get a cook. Hey, that's a load of bullcrap. No, Skoga, he's talking about the guys behind us. That's such a crazy coincidence that they were behind. And Yoga turns around behind him. And- oh, and Wes, <laughs> Wes says, you see what I mean? Everyone, I know no one here has less than four trillion credits. So everyone chucks a good couple million. I mean, let's be frank. You pay your driver more than that in his lifetime. <laughs> if everyone throws a little bit in the pot we'll keep the poor people here on coruscant happy content and disproportionately obese for as long as any of us are alive and it'll be a problem for our children here here and west starts clapping and the entire room just breaks out into standing ovation as you hear this from the kitchen gordax and Boodle Bay goes, oh, that must mean it's time for the cake already. Oh, he looks at Gordax. Very well. I think you'd make a fine addition to that, then. If you mean my skill would be a fine addition, I wholeheartedly agree. You see this large cake brought out, and it's kind of like a uh, evolution of man type thing going on, except it's some <laughs> kind of statement on wealth. So, like, <laughs> it's, it's really, it's awful. 
It's terrible. It's like a pile. It's showing you each different kind of currency that they had on Coruscant until you got to the galactic credit. And each time the pile is just getting bigger. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And there's a separate piece of it that like sticks onto the front where it's just like this huge party type skyscraper like the one you're currently situated in. And down below, far, far down below is this disgusting city type thing. And the people on top of the yeah, but is it like is it is it people literally holding the skyscraper on their back? Yes, hunched over. Yeah, it, it's like that. It's like that uh, big old monument in the Harry Potter movie. Once Voldemort takes over, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> crushing the Muggles. And the the people on the balcony of the big skyscraper are like throwing money off of it. It's animated. It's very nice. And Boodle Bay takes out a knife and he says, Gordax, I want you to be immortalized this night. And then he takes out his sharpener and starts sharpening it, taking step by step closer and closer. (laughs) 